0: This morning's reading comes from 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 12 to chapter 4, verse 6. <clears throat> Since we have such a hope, we are very bold, not like Moses who would put a veil over his face so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what has been being brought to an end, but their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that's, that same veil remains unlifted Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, unhardened ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For for what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as our servants for Jesus' sake. For God who said, let light shine out of this darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ.
1: Well, good morning. We're in uh, our sixth week now in 2 Corinthians, and uh, the series is called Authenticity. If it's uh, the first time you're hearing any of these sermons, uh, welcome. Uh, I don't think you'll be lost. I'm going to try my best to uh, orient you to where we are and everything. Um, and if you've been in the series with us uh, through the since the beginning, congratulations. Here's a certificate of completion. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I'm, I hope that uh, by now you've uh, been able to um, begin to see what authentic uh, Christian ministry looks like, what an authentic faith looks like in Christ that's rooted in the gospel. Uh, Before we start a sermon, let's let's pray. Father, uh, we pray as we we just sang, uh, speak, O Lord. Father, we pray that you would help our unbelief, that we would understand uh, the words written, which reveal this Jesus to us who we need desperately. Father, we preach not ourselves, but Christ. And so I pray, Father, that Jesus would be made known uh, from all of your scripture and today from 2 Corinthians. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Uh, So earlier this week, I spent uh, some time talking to strangers. Uh, I had a bunch of conversations with people about uh, death and what's the meaning of life and what's going to happen in the afterlife. So just super light topics, you know. <laughs> stuff that you just, you know, talk to people every day about, right? Um, but every every time I talk to strangers, uh, it can be on, on a plane, on a bus, on a train, uh, in the shopping centers, uh, wherever. It doesn't matter. We're um, on a pier like earlier this week. Um, I'm always blown away because we live in a world uh, that is okay with being dishonest. Um, We live in a world where it's okay not to know about the future, uh, not to care about what happens after you die, and so the deeper questions of life are kind of, they're always beyond. We want to live on the surface. And so the culture we live in is in a vacuum. And that vacuum is turned on and it's sucking up the superficial and the trivial, and that's where most people live. Most people are comfortable with living. Um, we once, our, our culture once thought, you know, life had, had a purpose and that there was something to live for and that there was hope and that there would be an end to this world. And now not so many people really believe in that kind of worldview, that kind of vision for what life looks like, right? And so um, that vacuum sucked up the trivial. We live each day shopping and, and eating and playing and dancing and laughing um, and, and kind of ignoring the deeper realities of life. Like death, for example. Um, And so most people adopt a kind of passive nihilism. That basically it's okay uh, with not really believing much of anything. Don't really care to know anything more than that. So I I talked to one uh, dad. Uh, He had uh, one child. And he was okay with the fact that the only truth in this life is that he has a child that he's raising for another day. And that's it. Didn't care to know anything after death. Didn't care to know of anything else. You know, just that was, that was reality for him. Um, not, not, Doesn't want to know more. And so like the philosopher uh, Friedrich Nietzsche, uh, who um, you know, uh, famously or infamously infam- uh, proclaimed, you know, God is dead and we killed him. And, um, you know, woohoo, this is great because uh, we get to create meaning. We get to live the way that we want to live. Um, let's make the most of it while we can. And so in, in such a world where, that lacks meaning, um, except what you make of it, uh, what ends up happening for most of us is in the absence of meaning, we have to create meaning for ourselves. We have to make the most of it. And so we tend to make up for that gaping hole in our lives by locating our worth in individual excellence. You know, So I'm going to be the best that I can be. Um, I'm going to be the best in my career. I'm going to be the best person at my job. I'm going to do the best that I can. And so individual excellence, career is premium. I'm going to be the best mom or I'm going to be the best dad. Uh, we see it manifest in so many different ways. Or I'm going to make a ton of money and that's how I'm going to be happy. That vacuum is just constantly sucking these things up, eating it up like, like candy. And so in all these ways and more, we're in search of our true self, our real self. That's what we want to find We want to live a life that's authentic. Disney says, just be true to yourself. That's the messaging, remember? Constantly before us, just be true to yourselves. We eat that up like candy. And what our quest always boils down to is, get the most for yourself, give the most to yourself, live for yourself, and you will find yourself. Christianity preaches a different message than that. Uh, I love how C.S. Lewis... Uh, how he once put it, he said this, he said, Christianity says this, give up yourself and you will find your true self, your real self. And so the world wants us to hope in right now and and says to live free every day. And, And the truth is whatever you make it, whatever you want it to be. That's the life most people are living. Maybe you're thinking about living in that life, that you want that to be your reality. Maybe you've, in the past, maybe you've, that's been your reality. That's where you're coming from. That's where you're at right now. But God, this morning, God wants to offer all of us a different way of living in this world. God wants to offer you hope, and he wants to offer you freedom. He wants to actually promise you freedom. And God wants to tell you the truth. So I want us to think about those three things this morning. We're going to think about hope, freedom, and truth. And so the first thing, in the gospel, you will have hope. You will have hope. So the first thing we see is that the gospel produces hope, and that hope makes us very bold. So let's look at verse 12. Since we have such a hope, we're very bold. Verse 13. Not like Moses, who would put a veil over his face, so that the Israelites might not gaze at the outcome of what was being brought to an end. But their minds were hardened. For to this day, when they read the Old Covenant, that same veil remains unlifted, because only through Christ is it taken away. Yes, to this day, whenever Moses is read, a veil lies over their hearts. But when one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. Um, now, for, for those of you who are unfamiliar with the, the message, the big story of the Bible, the story is, is, is all about, yes, it's about food. I know I mentioned that earlier. That's not the main thing. Again, when when everybody eats, what happens? People come together, right? It's about being with one another, being in the presence of one another when you're eating food. And so the, the message of the Bible is about how God, who created everything, created everyone who lives, this God wants to be with his people. And so that message is from Genesis all the way to Revelation, stretched out, of this message of this God who wants to be with his people and is going to do whatever it takes so that he can live forever with his people. That's what the Bible is all about. And so this, this third chapter of, of 2 Corinthians, Paul is giving us a, a commentary of Exodus 32 and 34 um, with the beginning of his people Israel. And Exodus, Exodus is a book about, uh, it's in the Old Testament, and, and in these chapters it records the relationship that God had with Israel where he gave them, maybe you remember these, the Ten Commandments. Ever heard of the Ten Commandments? No? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Whatever. Uh, so before Moses came back down from the mountain, so, you know, the, the Ten Commandments were uh, written in, in stone, on stone tablets, and already, like, before the, the laws even given, they've already broken the covenant, right? They're, what are they worshiping? Anybody know? Golden calf. golden calf. They're worshiping a golden calf, and Moses goes, ah, and he chucks the commandments on the ground, and they break. And so uh, what that demonstrated was Israel was not holy, God was holy, right? Israel was sinful, God was holy. And so Israel and God couldn't really be together. Uh, and so they needed a mediator, and Moses became that mediator between Israel and God. And, and so he would often, uh, what, what those chapters in Exodus record, is he would often um, you know, go and, 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 and speak to God and intercede for Israel. And Moses was a friend, he had, he had a friendship with God. And, and, and part of that, um, in that being in God's presence... Um, Moses, you know, when he came back down and he he spoke again to the people, he would have to have a veil over his his face um, to shield Israel from God's holiness, from God's holy presence. Because, again, they were sinful. They couldn't stand in his presence without being consumed by God's holiness. Even Moses had to hide behind the cleft of a rock, right? He couldn't see God's glory directly on... Um, And so Moses had to veil his face every time. And that's all in the book of Exodus. And I bring that up because Paul is pointing out from that storyline that the the, the, the very thing that kept them from being destroyed, the veil, also kept them from being transformed, from being changed. And so Israel, sure, they, they weren't consumed by God's glory, but they neither were changed by it either. And so in verses 14 and 15, when he says, To this day... Uh, he's talking about the Jews gathering in the synagogues, still living, living under the Old Covenant, and they refuse to know God through Jesus Christ. And so they remain veiled, verse 16. But when the one turns to the Lord, the veil is removed. And so his point is that the, through this veil uh, being removed, um, that happens, it's taken away through Jesus. And so we see in, in Christ, God, God's people can be in God's presence without being destroyed. And in Christ, God's people can be in God's presence with, and actually be transformed, to be changed. And so, this new covenant, as we were talking about a lot last week, this new covenant is far better than the old covenant because now God can be with His people, and and people through Christ can be in the presence of God without being consumed, and can be changed, can be transformed. So, there's a glory that we can only have through believing the message of the cross. That Jesus' death on the cross actually tore that veil that separated us from God, our sin. And he tore that veil down. And through believing in Jesus, we actually have access to God. We can speak to God. We can pray to God. Has anybody ever watched or read Lord of the Rings? A couple people? Oh, come on. We need more people that like Lord of the Rings. Like, you're going to have to have a Lord of the Rings movie night. All right, there's more hands. They're like, ah, I just don't want to see it again. Okay, I see. All right, so in the, in the third book in the movie, um, it's called The Return of the King. So there's this big city, Minas Tirith, and it's about to be under siege by the dark lord Sauron. Anybody remember that scene or in the book? Okay. And uh, so this capital city, Minas Tirith, uh, it's in this great nation, right, of Gondor, man, basically, and uh, it's about to be invaded. And so on the eve of the battle, Gandalf is there with this little hobbit. What's a hobbit? You need to just read the books or watch the movie, right? Little furry little guys. Uh, And so he's next to this hobbit, and this little hobbit asks Gandalf a question. He says, tell me, Pippin Pippin said, is there any hope? And Gandalf puts his, you know, bigger hand because he's a bigger, he's a wizard, he's a big dude compared to Pippin, little hobbit, and he says, there never was much hope, he answered, just a fool's hope. And it's kind of an insane admission because you're about to be invaded by your enemy, and you're talking about yeah, it was all a fool's hope. Um, the whole world hangs on this hope that's kind of foolish. And this kind of hope that, that that Tolkien outlines in his in his story is a lot like the hope that we have in the gospel. It's uh, the word of the cross is folly. It's a foolish message that is either it's offensive to some and it's very foolish to other people. Jesus Christ, this great hero of the story, he comes to save by living and by dying. On the third day, he rose again from the dead. And so the message of the cross and the resurrection is the basis of our hope. It's a fool's hope. The first thing Christianity offers us is hope, though. It's a hope based on what Jesus has already done. And so this hope... It produces boldness in us. It makes us bold in our relationship to God. So through Christ, I have access to God as my father, not as my judge anymore. I can talk to God openly in prayer without being consumed, without being destroyed. And being in God's presence, I begin to be transformed. Uh, It also makes us bold in our relationships with others. So we can live openly as a Christian, we can, we can share the gospel with other people, we can invite other people to church, uh, we can be open and honest with others, maybe in community groups, friendships, close friendships, relationships, because we have hope. So hope's the first thing I want to talk about this morning. The second thing I want to talk about is freedom. second thing we see is that the gospel gives us freedom. Wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So verse 17, look with me. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Verse 18. And we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Uh, Earlier this week, uh, my family did probably what a lot of y'all did. Uh, we grilled up burgers, you know, a burger, hot dog thing. It's like totally American meal right there, and had some chips, potato chips most likely, right? You have, and uh, that's what we had, and uh, and saw some fireworks. Right? It was the Fourth of July, and so we were celebrating along with a lot of Americans uh, freedom from British rule. Right? That's what Fourth of July is all about. Not Will Smith. Independence Day. I guess that's not, somebody told me this week. No, I'm just kidding. Um, kidding. Uh, so, so whenever there's talk of freedom, uh, there has to also be talk of bondage, of captivity. So you can't be free unless you're first a slave or first captive by somebody else. And so there's two things we need to ask and answer. So what are we free from? And, and what exactly are we free for? Those are two things I want us to focus on right now. So what are we free from? Paul uses this word freedom. And he he uses that word to speak openly uh, about uh, uh, this open relationship with God we have now that this veil has been removed. And so when we believe the gospel, the veil of of doubt that clouds our vision, that clouds our mind, it gets pulled off. The veil of not believing that there's a heaven up above or a hell below or anything in between is actually removed from our hearts. Uh, The veil of, maybe you're a Beatles fan or you were, Uh, John Lennon, he once uh, wrote a song, and he sang this. He said, he's a real nowhere man sitting in his nowhere land making all his nowhere plans for nobody. Remember that song? It's to that bondage, though, of of doubt and that captivity of of purposelessness and a life of of meaningless existence uh, that we're freed from. So we're freed from condemnation. The law no longer condemns us. you know, the law has its demands, and in the gospel, um, what, what is demanded um, is given to us as a gift. And, and we're also freed from the guilt of sin. You know, no longer um, do, do I hear constant condemnation. For there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, Romans 8.1. The gospel says to the guilty, not only not guilty, but actually declares us as righteous in God's sight. So we're freed from guilt. In the gospel, we're freed from shame. The gospel says, I'm no longer naked in my sin, but I'm clothed in Christ and have no reason to be ashamed anymore. And so we're freed from the tyranny and power of sin as well. It's another thing we're free from. The gospel says, sin is actually lost its hold on me. It's lost its grip on me. I have a new master now, so I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm a slave to God in Christ. So that's what we're freed from. What are we freed for? Uh, verse 18 Verse 18 focuses on this very important point that we are are free now to behold the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That through Christ, that veil is lifted and we can actually be in God's presence and not be destroyed and be transformed. Um, Recently, I just watched, uh, again, it's been many years since I saw it, um, but it's free now on Amazon Amazon Prime, so you you can watch it. Uh, uh, Indiana Jones and, uh, hold on, The Raiders of the Lost Ark, that's the one. Anybody remember that one?
0: Okay, cool.
1: So Raiders of the Lost Ark, uh, finally at the end of the movie, sorry, spoil, spoiler alert if you haven't seen the movie ever, but it's been out for a while, so <laughs> I think I'm in the clear. Um, you probably heard references to it before, too. So, Okay, so at the end of the movie, uh, the Nazis finally get the Ark of the Covenant, right? And, and they're all, like, this is big party, essentially, and Jones is tied up with this girl, and, you know, they're tied up, and, and um, um, it, it's like they're all doomed, and oh my gosh, and so they, they finally, they get the Ark of the Covenant, they're going to have all this raw power of God, you know, at their whim to take over the nations with, or whatever, and so they open it up, and all of a sudden, all these, like, ghosts and stuff fly out, right, um, but they're, they're looking at it, and they're like, oh, it's so beautiful, it's so beautiful, it's so pretty, and, you know, the glory of God, oh my gosh, and then all of a sudden, they, they all melt away. The whole army is just like wiped out. That was right there. You remember that? It's kind of freaky, so it's not for children. Um, but yeah, so so that happens. And Indy and uh, you know, Indy tells, is uh, forget her name, but they, there's the, close your eyes, don't look, don't look. You know, he remembers from his childhood. You know, you can't look upon the glory of the Lord, or you'll be consumed. Um, well, we can behold God's glory, right? Without being consumed because of Jesus, we can behold the glory of God. In Christ and not be consumed. We can be changed. And so that's, that's what we're freed for. We can actually be in God's presence. And the gospel frees us to finally be who we were made to be. There's a lot of talk in our passage this morning about image, right? Man, mankind, people, we were made in the image of God. The Bible says man was created, male and female, he created them, but in the image of God, he created them. And so the gospel takes our Distorted image, though, of God, right? The ways, all the many ways that we perverted God's image or we've exploited God's image in others. And the gospel takes that and transforms us into a people who once again bear God's image. Makes us beautiful again. And so we're freed from sin for good works. Freed from loving only ourselves to loving others as ourselves. Freed from hating God to loving God. Freed to love our neighbor once again. Freed to see others flourish. Now, we're, taunst- we're constantly told by, our, by other people around us, by culture, all kinds of sources, right, that, that this message of just be true to yourself and realize your dreams. And often, you know, what that also means is, you know, don't care about what other people think, uh, live free, live, love, laugh, you know, just press on. Uh, and, and, and we think that we're free in that because uh, the culture just tells us that we're free in it and it makes us free. But freedom can't be found on Wall Street. Freedom can't be found by having good grades, being the best parent, getting famous, getting rich. Uh, All of those false identities, they keep that vacuum that I was talking about earlier, they keep that vacuum turned on. And we're constantly sucking that up, and we're never satisfied. We're constantly consuming, but we're always hungry. We're never full. And so we're always empty, chasing the dream, and it always seems to evade us. God wants you to find Your identity in Jesus. Not the stock market, not relationships that will never satisfy you. Because freedom isn't found in independence from God. Freedom is found in dependence on God, in Christ. And so, unless you're a slave to God, you're never going to be free. You'll forever be a slave to whatever idol it is that you've created for yourself made in your own image. So whether that's sex, whether that's money, whether that's alcohol, whether that's drugs, whether it's power or popularity, or whatever else it is that that vacuum is that you try grabbing hold of, all of that won't make you free. It will just make you more hungry until it consumes you. Like that pretty visual image I was talking about in Indiana Jones, right? Um, But where the Spirit of the Lord is, God's Word is saying to us this morning, there is freedom. God wants you to be free in Him. And so if you want to live an authentic life, uh, we have to stop chasing it apart from God. Authenticity can only be found in him. And so we can't be liberated from running from the transcendent. We can't liberate ourselves from the chains that we've put ourselves in. Only the gospel gives us the freedom that we want and that we need in God. Third thing is uh, truth. So the third thing we see is that in the gospel... The gospel is the truth that sets us free and gives us hope. So truth. Uh, This truth that God speaks about, the truth that's before us, can be very hard to believe at times. Uh, Because in this life there are many difficulties, there are many uh, disappointments. Uh, We've covered a lot of those different things in this series, but um, it can be very easy to get discouraged. It can be very easy to want to give up. And to fall into despair—that's one of the things that Paul brings out in uh, in verse one, and I'm going to talk about that in a second. Um, but I mean, personally, it can be very, um, it can be very frustrating. Um, I'll, I'll speak uh, myself. It can be very frustrating that more and more people don't come to know of the freedom and forgiveness of sins in Jesus. Right, so I'm a pastor, and like you know, that's the life, like I'm involved in. That's that's what I'm focused on, right? And I want to see more and more people find freedom in Jesus, and yet everybody still wants to be in bondage. That's just that's just where where it's at, um, and that can be very discouraging. And so discouraged, I could um, I could you know go well, you know, if I'm a lot more likable, and if the message that I'm preaching is a lot more likable, so maybe I'll make it a lot more uplifting, a lot more encouraging, and a lot more people will be saved. That'd be great. Or I can. Um, Believe in the truth and proclaim that same truth of which Paul preaches and not worry about the results and focus on being faithful to God. So verse 1, let's, let's read this. Uh, Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, he says, we do not lose heart. We have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, We would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. Verse 3. And if our gospel is veiled, it's veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Uh, Now, earlier this week, I was on a pier, and I was um, out with a bunch, a group of other people, and we were witnessing um, sharing the gospel with people. And crowds would form, and, and, and we'd, you know, as people formed, we'd answer questions and talk to them about Jesus. And it, was a, it was a great uh, time, uh, great interactions, but every single time I do this, I'm always amazed at how many people just don't seem to care about answers to life's greater questions, right? We're a lot more concerned about what our next meal is than we are about what's happening maybe if we choke on our meal, right? We don't want to think about those things. We turn that off got some laughter there. That was a little bit of dark humor. Um, uh, one, of the, one of the questions though that, that it raises is, you know, if I'm being faithful to preaching God's message, so I mean Paul in his own day had to wrestle with this too, if I'm being faithful with preaching the gospel, why then is the, the there's still a veil over so many people's heads? Why do so many people refuse to believe in the gospel? Is something wrong with the gospel? That's the question that surfaces. Is there something faulty with it? And, and of course not, right? Um, is the sun not there because a person's blind and can't see it? Is the moon not there because, um, you know, uh, it's hidden behind clouds or, um, you know, it's on the other side of the world and we can't visibly see it at this time? Uh, I mean, it's, it's still there regardless. It's still there doesn't disappear. And um, ultimately, you know, something is wrong innately in us and with us. Every person has a veil over our hearts, our minds, our faces. The veil is sin. And that veil that everyone, every single one of us has is that we're always constantly trying to get meaning out of anyone or anything or ourselves other than God. That's what we're always trying to do. And the veil needs to be torn off if we're ever going to believe and give up our love of other things and other people more than God. Now, the Bible calls that idolatry. Uh, To love anything more than you love God is idolatry. It's to make something into an idol. And the gospel's clear. The issue is we're blind. Um, Maybe uh, some of you might be familiar with the story. Um, If you're familiar with Paul's own story. Of redemption, um, You know that uh, you know, he knew what it was like to be blind. Uh, he was blinded to the truth. He was known as a big persecutor of the early Christian church, throwing people in jail you know, who believed in Jesus. And uh, he was zealous for Judaism. And on the road to Damascus, he's blind, right? The scales literally fall off his eyes, and he, and he hears Christ speak to him. And his blind eyes are open, and he could see again. Um, kind of like John, John Newton, um, he was an African uh, slaveholder and uh, eventually, you know, he, he came to faith in Christ and uh, he became a, an, an advocate for abolition and, uh, and was changed, he was transformed. But he recounts and he, he writes this beautiful hymn, does anybody know this, this hymn? It goes like this, amazing grace, how sweet the sound, that saved a wretch like me. I once was blind, but now... I'm sorry, I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. The truth is true whether or not you or I believe it. It's still true. So what is the truth? The truth, God's truth, is found in verse 5. I want to read that right now. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord. That is the truth this morning. And so the question before all of us right now, is do you believe in Jesus as Lord? That's the question. If you do, if you believe that Jesus is Lord, that makes you not a master anymore, but a servant. So are you at the point of being able to recognize that you're not in control of your own life movie? You're not writing the script, that somebody else is writing the script. Are you okay with somebody else being in charge of your life? That's what it means to acknowledge the truth that Jesus is Lord to give up control, to give it into the hands of another. Now, Paul's own experience on the way to Damascus, where he went from blindness to eyesight, uh, is describing the experience of every Christian, every person who comes to believe the gospel. So everyone who believes the gospel has this experience in some way. Maybe not as profound as Paul had it. Maybe not as abrupt as Paul had it. Maybe you can't remember the first time it was that you believed. But at some point, there's a difference there that, that you recognize That you're not the the master of your fate anymore and the captain of your soul. That God's the one in control. And for you, that actually becomes good news because life has meaning and there's hope beyond just another day. And all evil will actually be put to an end finally. You're part of a bigger story. And so Paul goes on to describe this very activity in the lives of people. And he says it's just like what happened at the beginning of the creation. Verse 6, he says, God said, let light shine out of darkness. And so Paul's going way, way back to the beginning of the Bible, Genesis chapter 1, verse 3. And he's describing, you know, that original creation when God created the sun and the stars and the moon and animals and vegetation. And in the pinnacle of God's creation, he created what? Male and female. Created all things that exist. And he's quoting Genesis 1, 3, and he also alludes back to Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1 which talks about a people who are walking in darkness, now seeing and beholding a great light. It's like the light bulb's turned on. And all this is to say, you know, just as God spoke everything into existence, he's saying now, when a person comes to believe in Jesus, they're now remade, they're re-spoken into existence, part of a new creation, a beautiful creation that God is making. He's making all things new. and He's inviting you to be part of that creation. And so when we believe the gospel, God shines... His bright light into our dark lives, like a flashlight, you know, in a room, in a dark room, and we're, we're changed. And that's true not just, you know, when you first come to Christ, like a coming-to-faith moment, but it's true for the whole Christian life, with every single area of your life. The gospel is like a flashlight. And it's shining into the dark holes and crevices of your life, you know, your own marriage, your relationships with other people, how you view your neighbor how you view the person that you just saw on the street corner. All of those areas the gospel starts to highlight and focus in on and change, and, and you're transformed by the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So more and more we're becoming, you know, from degree to degree, from glory to glory, being made into the image of God in Jesus. And so a question is, is your identity wrapped up in this identity of Christ crucified? In the message of the cross, do you see yourself as humbled as he was humiliated? And do you want to become a slave to Christ so that you can finally be set free? Will you believe in a hope that's foolish and it's God's victory in Christ? So in the gospel, no matter what happens, whatever you're dealing with this morning, at this time, you'll always have three things in the gospel. You will always have hope, you will always be free, And you always have the truth. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that in your word you've spoken. We thank you that you spoke all things into existence. And we thank you that you create us, recreate us into the image of your own likeness looking more and more like Jesus every day through faith in the gospel. We thank you, Lord, that you're changing us. We thank you that we can be in your presence without being consumed or destroyed. And that by being with you, calling you our Father, we are being changed. We are being transformed into that image that you're making us into, looking more and more like Jesus. So we thank you. We praise you. We worship you this morning. In Christ's name. Amen.